Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Really? It's that time already? (laughs) That just jolted me out of a little reverie I was having. Hi, welcome to the show. It's Tuesday, August 11th, which is an important day in in our family. And Susan, are you there? I am here. Good. Is the birthday girl anywhere around? I could uh, locate her if you give me a you chat. I'll run down. Okay, try to scare her up. Okay. Okay. Okay, thanks. Um, Yeah, because 98 years ago on this date... Uh, my mom was brought into this world and um, she's a piece of work. She's really wondrous. And um, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to wish her a, a happy birthday. We didn't, uh, I didn't give her a heads up about this. So I am ambushing her. I hope, <laughs> I hope that's not Hello. a bad idea. Mom. Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so what's it feel like to be 98? Well, um, it's, it feels okay. <laughs> uh, I slowed down a little bit, I, and I have to be reminded to stand up straight and stuff like that, but otherwise... I'm always telling my friends to stand up straight. People, Most people do not stand up straight. People have their, their shoulders way up and they're hunched over. And if, if you're just now sort of rounding your back, I think that's, that's <laughs> well, okay. That it. But it's out of sheer laziness. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then stand up. So, Mom, yeah. I was just thinking, so 98 years ago today, you came into the world. Were you born in a hospital, do you think, or at home? Do you know? I don't know, but I think I was born in a hospital. You do? Because I, you know, yeah, I don't Galesburg know. Galesburg had uh, several nice hospitals. Okay, but I mean, for a long time, it, you know, birth was not considered something you did in a hospital. You just did it at home, and you know, I think I don't know, but it was my I, it was my mother's first and only child. I guess it wasn't anything she wanted to go through again. <laughs> Well, she she produced a, a pretty remarkable. Right. Uh, she got a winner yeah. and decided to stand pat. <laughs> right, quit quit while you're ahead. Well, I, there's a lot I didn't learn from uh, from the lack. Of, there's a lot I did not learn because I did not have siblings. Well, yeah. So that is a regret you have. It is a big regret. I feel like I've been. Uh, Denied something, but I was, I got a lot of love. I was the first child born into that family, the first grandchild. And so you were surrounded uh, my by. My beautiful sisters were all, you know, in love with me and, and good yeah. to me. But they didn't spoil me. I, I don't think I was spoiled. No, you don't seem like a spoiled person. You seem like a happy person. Right. That's right. <laughs> hey, Mom, yesterday I came upon this story that a woman who would look at you as like young stuff, she's 103, um, d- decided for her birthday she was going to get a tattoo. 
and she did. Uh-huh. Well, I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I would not either. And uh, But can you imagine being 103 and saying, you know what, I always wanted a tattoo. And then she got one, and the tattoo she chose was a frog. I wonder why. I know. So you can't relate to that at all. No. No. Why, why was it a frog? Well, maybe because she'd rather... Um... Croak, frog, not croak. She, well, no, she always liked frogs. You know, people are different. People are different. <laughs> <laughs> so, any, no great uh, happenings on this birthday for you, huh? Not, not, no big deal. No, uh, I think, no, no. I well, I think I, we're just, I think, uh, <clears throat> my friend just brought, uh, called and said she's bringing a cake over. Mm. So we're okay. getting a cake from her. And otherwise, uh, no. Well, well we're, we're having... Meteor. There's a. Uh, I'd like to alert everybody to the meteor sky uh, in shower tonight. Yes. There's a meteor shower? To do that. Yeah, tonight and tomorrow night are the best nights for the annual viewing of whatever that meteor shower is. That one that starts with a P and I don't know how to pronounce? Yeah, probably. But anyway, it's, this year it's the fireworks in honor of Mom's birthday. Wow, Mom. So are you going to be out there looking at no. it? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, uh, the, the best time is 2 o'clock or something. In the morning. In the morning. He said to hell with it. So that's, so that's not so good. My well, mom, the good I'm, news is, is that is that uh, your grandson will probably wake up and uh, and with his telescope take pictures. Right, yeah, probably will. That might be. <laughs> he will. But my mother, I must say, I have memories as a child. Well, one, I have one memory of you waking me up in the yeah, middle. I do too. <laughs> you do. Get up, you said, and and you know you rousted me out of a warm bed and out onto the front lawn and said, look, pointing up. And I guess it was a comet, right? I think it was I a comet. Think it was a comet. Yeah, it must have been a comet. Right? I think it was a comet. Because it was there. But I remember, my memory of it is looking you were, up. You were too frightened to. to I was up. terrified because I felt so small. I mean, you were talking and raving about, look at that way up there in the stars. And I just felt like it made I'm me feel sorry. so incontrolled. Well, I frightened you. No, it's okay. No, it was totally okay. But it's interesting that that's my first memory of feeling totally inconsequential, of like sort of seeing my my place in the universe universe <laughs> as being nothing. But there was something scary about, yeah, looking up there at and realizing well, how far... You, you had to go outside. You're, I mean, you were going to have to go outside, and it was dark and... <laughs> and cold. I remember and shivering. You were, you were a child. It frightened you. Yeah. That's, a, that's normal. But that wasn't your intent <laughs> to scare me. <laughs> right. Right. So, Mom, I love it. Are you going swimming today? No, not today. I went yesterday. Okay, so you're you're only doing every other day. I'm All good. right. Amazing. If I had my hair cut shorter, I could go every day. Really? It's just be your hair? 
Yeah, if I cut it real short, you know, like a well, like a, well, a Greek boy haircut. Well, why don't you? If that's, I mean, I should, and I, I try when I when she comes around, I I get one. I do get one. Why don't you give yourself a buzz cut? Yeah, well, it's not a buzz cut exactly, but it's close to close. it. Close. But, you know, that's what my sister-in-law did. She just got tired of it, and she does wear her hair short, and she figured, well, I'm locked up anyway. I'd rather just not have the hair, and she took her her husband's beard trimmer and shaved it. <laughs> I know. I don't want to do that. <laughs> well. I don't want to do that, but I, I, I like it short. That's short, you know, like about an inch. Yeah. Well, you look good with it like that. Anyway, Mom, I just wanted to say, of course, oh, happy birthday. Thank you, and I and, and I, I'm, I thank you, Neen. I love you very much. I love you, thing. too. And, I, and I'll, I, I'll see you later because we'll have our Zoom uh, okay. birthday good. soon. Good. Okay. Love oh, you, Mom. Okay. Thanks for the call. Okay. Say goodbye. Okay. Love you. Love you, too. Okay. So, hang up. Hang up. (laughs) So, Margaret says happy birthday to mom. Allison says happy birthday to mom. And um, and there you have it. So she sounds good, Suze. Yeah, she is good. She was up this morning uh, before everybody else, waiting for birthday fun to start. Oh my! I I, um, I posted a picture of her um, uh, punching out, uh, dodging out my my birthday present from you, the uh, my punching doll, and uh, and I just I posted it with a uh, happy birthday ninety eight in training for ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know. Did we tell people that I got you this punching? Um, oh well, bag, for my birthday, uh, which was a, a, a week ago or so, um, more eleven days ago, uh, the day thereafter, I opened up the front door and there was—I don't know how to describe it other than to say there was a coffin out there, <laughs> like a ten-foot package, <laughs> and I and I dragged said coffin in, and and. Uh, and carefully took it, opened it from the top, and then and started laughing immediately because I realized that my dear sister had gotten me what you know could be a party doll, but in this case, it was a punching bag in the shape of a rather creepy-looking orange guy. Yeah, <laughs> looks strangely, sort of almost like you know who, and he's meant to be punched. Right, right. I got to get him a wig. That's that. That will help. But um, I had him in the dining room. But everybody in the house that would walk by the dining room would would give out a little scream every time they went through, because <laughs> Doug was lurking at the front window. And then I decided, well, someone in the neighborhood is going to see him at two o'clock in the morning and call the cops. So I, I better move. Doug. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was wise to have him staring out of the because he looks creepy. But wait right. a minute, why'd you call him Doug? I have no idea. I just decided. Seems like Doug. Okay. And anyway, so now he's. I decided that a bare-chested orange guy looked better outside. Uh, so he is now outside, where I filled his bottom with water so that I can <laughs> wail away at him. And uh, and 
and I got two sets of gloves, and uh, and we are all wailing away at him. It is just, it's just wonderful. Great, yeah, well, I'm best glad. present ever. I'm 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 best <laughs> present ever. <laughs> well, it was either going to be a big flop or it was going to be the best present ever, and I'm glad. I'm glad it was. Well, my, mom, I got between you and me. She's a mom still muttering because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's ugly. She doesn't. He's ugly, ugly and he's glowering at her as she does her. Her laugh, her, her yeah. laugh, but she has figured out that she can use him to hold up her her bathing robe. <laughs> so she hangs her robe on him and then gets in the pool. Right. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, that's the dispatch from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. From Green Bay, Wisconsin, where today the weather is beautifully Green Bay like. Um, Oh, you know, cool and cool, perfect. breezy. It's going to be 82 this afternoon. So tell me, you were not lucky you in Chicago when that appalling no, storm by blue. Um, um, what I happened? Have, well, my i my iPad doesn't realize that I'm uh, when I use my uh, UVerse app that I'm not in Chicago. So I was tuned into Chicago news watching uh-huh. this damn thing and my uh-huh. son of course was sending you know <laughs> sending oh my things from um yeah and he, and he had to go and he had to go out afterwards to get his little his little two-year-old who is in daycare successfully so far i must say um <laughs> and uh and he had to it he, it took him a while to uh, work his way to her because of downed trees and things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it had even calmed down by the time it hit Chicago because there were winds over 100 miles per hour in Iowa. Right. Midway was 72. 72 miles per hour. hour, But that is, yow. That, I mean, incredible. Jeez. Yeah, well, you know. Just in case, this isn't global warming. I mean, I Chicago used to have hurricanes all the time. <laughs> oh dear God in heaven! It's just, you know, I mean, Chicago. I have to. Chicago is not a happy place to be right now. It is no, and you know what? Uh, I wish. I wish that I wish, I wish they get it under control there because it's it's helpful it's to only good. one it's, person. It's helpful to Donald Trump. Yes, it is not helpful to the movement. It is not no. helpful. It, it 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 is going to take a lot of those hearts and minds that were won over unquestionably right. and and having and have them question. Right. I, I understand. I mean, they, the BLM put out a a. Um, response to what was happening there and I can't disagree with a word of it but that none of it matters whether that's true what is also true is that you are you're cutting off your nose to spite your face it does not work in your favor please stop I also want to say please stop to the folks in Portland the few this minority that, that uh, go out every night, and I want to I want to remark that they are overwhelmingly white. It's like ninety percent young white people, and th- those are not allies of Black Lives Matter. Those are people just having I, I you know I guess for them it's a good time. Pretty they're much. having a good time. 
yeah, creating havoc. So, you know, some of these white kids need to step away and, uh, and, and, and God, Chicago, God dang. Anyway, so nothing we can Well, do. I had a dispatch from um, one of our cousins this morning who lives in an apartment right above the looting. And, uh-huh. um, you know, she's oh, right. terrified. Yeah. You know, she, yeah. she said, this is not fun because I'm looking down. I mean, she said, it's not like I'm not safe. I know I'm safe. But this is what I'm seeing is just terrible. And well, I, you know, I, what I, I think is terrible. You know, the memories we have in our lives, you know, there's like just these snapshot memories, one of which was me cowering on the lawn with mom looking up at the sky. Another one is Michigan Avenue, exactly where the looting was in 1968 when I was at uh, Northwestern and I took the L uh, down uh, down to Michigan Avenue to see our aunt, our great aunt, Faye. And I got off and was walking uh, to her place and walked up to Michigan Avenue to that corner. I can't remember the cross street. There was a Walgreens there. And it was, it's like right where the water tower. Chicago. Is. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Chicago Avenue. And there were army tanks yeah. on the corner with barbed wire on the front of them and troops and, and and I remember I just really remember my blood running cold like there was this cognitive dissonance like whoa, whoa, wait a minute I, I'm in the United I, I'm in Chicago this is this is a kind of scene you would see in you know some communist country I couldn't even I couldn't even take it in and I, you know, I remember just, I was almost in tears when I got to her apartment and was saying, my God, Faye, there's like a, the army's out there. And it was right, it was like a we few days probably convention. before the yeah. 1968 Democratic Convention. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so yeah, Michigan Avenue. Yeah, well, I and I mean, you know, I, can re- I can remember right after 2011, being in New York City and coming out of the meetings that we were attending at the Waldorf Astoria and having um, armed, uh, you know, military with huge weaponry uh, on every single corner. And, you know, and and that was a totally different thing, you know. Wait, 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 2011? No. When did when did the or when did the um, two thousand one two thousand one sorry nine eleven yeah right right after yeah. right 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 nine, right after nine eleven right. mother is ninety eight I must be old <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. you know I should have asked her I even though I have what can you imagine having your three children all be well, what our father would have called altacockers. I mean, like old people. Right. You look at your three kids, and she still thinks of us as her three kids, and there we are, gray-haired and old. 
Jeez, must be weird. So I have to tell you one other weird thing, and I know we're avoiding heavy subjects so far. Feel free. Pretty much. Huh? Feel free. Yeah. Um, I saw this piece today that also reminded me it's a personal story, but it blew my mind. There was a piece about a television reporter, very beautiful, a local TV reporter in... Um, I don't know where she's from, Tampa. And she's 28 years old, and she's doing a story on the, on the news. And the next, uh, or later that day, she gets an email from some woman. Uh, uh, say, I saw this. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, another saying, diagnosis. Yeah. Um, honey, uh, did you, I just want to, I just saw your news report, is what the woman said. What concerns me is the lump on your neck. Please have your thyroid checked. Reminds me of my neck, and mine turned out to be cancer. Take care of yourself. And this blew my mind because, you know, right, and, and the woman did. She hadn't even noticed that there was a lump oh, on her she neck. she did have cancer. And she did have cancer. And, it, I mean, it made me just go, wow, because I was 31 years old. When I came to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for a job in television, and um, I was here all of two months, and um, I remember asking someone um, in the newsroom, who's a good doctor? And, and they gave me a name, and I made an appointment because I had a foot that was like swelling up and, and, and falling in and just not operating well. and. And I said, I want to see if someone around here can help me with it. So I went and made the appointment. The doctor looked at my foot, was totally flummoxed, didn't know. And as the doctor is looking at me, telling me, I really don't know what to do, she stops and looks and says, what is that? And walks toward me. And she noticed a lump on my neck. Now, the lump on my neck, it was so fascinating, was bigger than this woman's because I later then looked at the ID photo that WTAE-TV took for me for, you know, press pass. It's visible. It is sticking out there on my, on my neck like, a, like a, a lemon, about the size of a lemon. And I would, can you imagine, I looked in the mirror every day, put on makeup. I never saw it. People looked at me and never said, what's that lump in your neck? It was that visible. And I was in an operating room, uh, you know, a few days later. And, and I locked out. They took half my thyroid, but I, it was benign. Suze? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm hearing a little. Me too. Voice. I was wondering if that was at your place. No, I don't know what that is. Little like somebody trying to get in. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was so mind-blowing. It, it reminded, just again, made me think back of how odd that is. And, and it, it made me realize how we don't see ourselves. We only see what we want to see. She never noticed it. And looking at the picture of her, man, she put on she puts on more makeup than I ever did. So she'd be fiddling with her face well, and her hair. HD. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. Yeah, 
much more serious if you're an HIV. You have to you have to spray this this stuff all over yourself and just <laughs> create a mask in order to not look like a horrifying anyway. Man, but that uh, that but she's not the only one, you know. This this uh, one of these reality show guys. Same thing happened. Uh, he 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 and his now ex wife are uh, rehabbing a house, and a viewer calls in and says, eh, "You got a growth. You get that <laughs> check." And he got it checked, and he really had cancer. I mean, Jeez. He, he was really lucky. Wow. Barbara, right. well, now I just bird. heard someone sneeze. Did you? Yeah, I heard something very odd. It sounded like a goose. Okay, happy birthday to your mom. Hello to Susan, says Barbara. How lucky you are. We boomers have a lot in common. My parents, both children of immigrants, now both gone, were born in 1922 and 23. They produced three boomer babies, like your family, two girls and one boy, in 1947, 48, and 49, one, two, Whoa. three, Jay. Jeez, get it over with. Uh, my mom spread them out from 46 to 51. Uh, what a great time it was growing up as white, working-class kids of the 50s and 60s in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. We were middle class, not working class, to be perfectly honest. Um, also, Susan, I just want to share a... Um, Henry also says, uh, as you were talking to your mother, it occurred to me that if she was born in 21, no, she'd be born in 22. She technically caught the tail end of the last pandemic, too. This, Yeah, but she just missed it. She's she very lucky. But her dad did. Her, and, her father and, had the flu. And in fact, uh, it, it ended up killing him. Well, well, it did end up killing him. As a result of it, a bunch of people in later years developed uh, uh, Parkinson's. I don't know that that's ever been proven. That's our story, that it killed him. Someone maybe, have you ever Googled uh, the Spanish flu and Parkinson's? yeah, Yeah. Really? Yeah, I don't think that's made up. Okay. And then uh, Henry writes, but if you ask Donald Trump, he erroneously said yesterday that the 1918 Spanish flu probably ended World War II. No, <laughs> right. did that. <laughs> and I don't know, somebody somebody posted, uh, you know, contemporaneously to uh, to uh, <laughs> listening to him, and I happened to be on what, Facebook or something, is, is someone posts, oh my God. He just said orgasm instead of organism. <laughs> <laughs> Yosemite. Okay. God, and he has the gall to suggest I the bought, Joe I Biden bought a Yosemite t-shirt for our brother, by the way. Oh, great. I, I, gee, I'd like one, too. Yosemite. So, um, also, just one more letter. Um, and yesterday, Susan, on the show, I was talking about um, this incredible article I'd read about a bird, about the common swift. Yeah, swift. Yeah. yeah. And so um, Allison writes uh, that she liked me talking about that, loved that kind of distraction from the everyday horrors. And, and then she said, I was listening to your show while driving back to Ohio. And just as you were ending the swift story... I drove past a little store called Swift Market. 
isn't that weird when those things happen? It, 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 those sort of where those co, I guess they're coincidences. Yeah, right. Um, she says there were a lot of coincidences in your show yesterday with civets and poop coffee and bucket lists, and and I was. Uh, amused that I just happened to pass that store and never even noticed the name before until yesterday. So she must make this trip a lot. How wonderful life can be sometimes. And then a beautiful butterfly crossed my path and splat right on my windshield. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt horrible again. (laughs) That's not exactly the circle of life, but what can you do? <laughs> well, it's exactly the circle. <laughs> anyway, could, are you done with the letter? Yes. No. Yeah. You know, she also says, "Also, happy birthday to your mom." Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm ready. So, uh, in answer to your question, yeah. um, one of the most famous is the Parkinsonism that de- that developed following the 1918 influenza pandemic. Here, people born during the time of this Spanish flu outbreak had a two- to three-fold increased risk of Parkinson's disease than those born prior to 1988 or after 1924. So it was one of a cluster of uh, increased risk. No, but are they saying that they were born during the pandemic or that they were... had it during the that that had it during those years. Oh, that were no people that were born prior to or after it. So okay. they they're just assuming that there was exposure if you were you know yeah uh, that that was the period and there's mm-hmm. a two to there was a there was a definable two to three increase over the years of people developing Parkinson's. Well, you know, mom always credits her longevity to her father. She feels that he was the most healthy human being ever, and she she got all of that from him, and she really feels but for that Parkinson's, which she blames on that flu, he would have lived, you know, God knows how long. So, Well, he was, I mean, he was the athlete that made her yeah. the athlete. Athlete, right. Well, well, he was a handball champion in right. the 60s. Yeah. 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 So, okay, I got one other. Handsome, too. Yeah. Handsome as hell. Jesus. He's wounding handsome. Oh, okay. We have a picture of him in a fedora and a wide uh, lapeled, very wide pinstripe, navy blue, white, (laughs) double-breasted overcoat where he, with this big grin on his face, and man, if he doesn't look the epitome of a Chicago gangster, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> he just looks like the most gorgeous gangster in all. I mean, he is just like a movie star playing a gangster. Right. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> so, wait, I got two things to, to tell you. I've, I've sort of had this uh, stuck here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it right now, finally. Um, I had talked to our nephew, uh, Louie, um, weeks and weeks ago. And in the course of the conversation, uh, two things were said, which I, you know, scribbled down because I found them interesting. And I'm going to throw them out there now. I think at one, he just, he and his wife just had a, a little baby boy who'd be about three weeks old, four, maybe a month old now. No, no, he's, he's uh, five weeks old now. Oh, wow. Five, five old Probably weeks. going to six, actually. Wow. Time yeah. flies. Anyway, 
someone, I don't know if it was he or um, his wife, said something about how they worried because his fingernails are growing so much that they're worried he's going to scratch himself with them, and, and but they're afraid to cut them. And they said something, and they were so afraid that they might hurt him. And they said something to either a nurse or a doctor, and the advice they got yep. was to chew, to chew, yeah, to bite the baby's fingernails. <laughs> what? Did I you know. ever? What? Yeah, I heard that. Did, did you ever do that? No, I bought little safety systems. Yeah, little little, little little clippers. I had little clippers too. Um, can you imagine? But they said that was a thing. They said, sure, if you're concerned, just chew on chew your baby's fingernails off. God. Okay, so I had to put that out there. And then they were talking about the birth itself and how, and I was thrilled to hear that, um, you know, the craziness that some people, I'll never forget, I was still working at Channel 4, and one of the engineers there said, hey, you know, my wife, we just had our baby. He said, Look, and he starts showing me. This is thank God it was before cell phone. He starts showing me pictures he took, you know, of her. I'm looking up her, you know what? And I, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's like a head, and he's showing me these pictures, and I'm thinking, I don't want to see this. <laughs> I do not want to see this. You know, yeah, you, you make men look at something. <laughs> And they're so damn proud of themselves for looking that they have to make you look. Too. Oh, jeez, yeah, and not passing out or something. Whatever. What would make anyone think I want to look? I don't know. What? Okay. The best thing about giving birth naturally is that you're the only one that has doesn't have to actually look at it. Well, that that's a perfect lead-in, Susan, to what I'm going to tell you. Yes. So Claire, the woman who's pushing this baby out into the world is told this by one of the attendants. If you'd like, we can put a mirror uh, so you can watch him come out. I know. (laughs) And if you want here, you can feel his head as it comes. And, and she's thinking, what? This is interesting enough. Thank you. Jeez. What craziness. God almighty. Good God in heaven. Um, I mean, I don't know about any of those people, but I, I for various and sundry Ugh. reasons, had each of my children totally naturally without any sort of um, pain. Yeah. In, and and I, I you know obviously it's quite doable. I did it, but you know I I wasn't interested in hearing what anybody else had to say about anything in terms of advice while that was going on. You were just trying to get through, right? I was getting through. It. There was a business at hand, and I assumed that my body knew what it was doing. I I was actually quite detached. I will say that. 
Um, I was, especially the first time, I was just really sort of interested. <laughs> uh-huh. That said, I was totally involved in that, particularly interested in anything except for the 16-year-old kid that was holding the elevator door open with my wheelchair. Who <laughs> yeah. am I talk to? I looked at him <laughs> sweetly. I said, have you ever delivered a baby? And he said, no. And I said, well, you're going to if you keep holding the door open like that. <laughs> oh, God. So, here, another email. We'll yeah. get off the maternal thing. I just had to share those two things. It was good. Okay. Well, no, but Gloria's absolutely right. Okay. Uh, Roger writes, Lynn, you just said something interesting. Well, thank God. Finally! Yeah, yeah, right. I've been doing this for 30 years. Thank God. You just said something interesting, and then he tells me what it was. I said, we were middle class, not working class. And he says, there's a difference? I always refer to my childhood as middle class. My father had a TV repair business where he had a partner and they were the only workers with hours 10 to 7, Monday through Friday, and Saturdays. Mom was a secretary. Mom still talks about how we struggled. We seven kids didn't notice. Seven kids. We always had used cars and used TVs, working or middle class. I think that's, what would you put them? Middle class. Yeah. We, I don't. Who the hell knows? It depends. The cutoff could be plan. I'm just going to be mum. Okay, here's what. When I said I grew up middle class, because my dad um, owned a furniture store. Right. That doesn't. That right there, he's not working class, right? If you own right. your own store. Right. And Roger's dad had a his own yeah. business. Right. But our mom didn't have to work, and his mom worked and was raising seven children. Right. Jeez. So he wants to know, would that be working or middle? I think, you know, who knows? I don't know if it's based on people call themselves, I don't even like the terminology because as if, what, middle-class people aren't working? Well, no. (laughs) You see, that's why I think you're sort of uh, mixing classifications that aren't necessarily, uh, yeah. you know, let's look at life as a Venn diagram. Those two things are definitely overlapping. Right, right. But I would never have called our family working class. My sense of working class is, you know what I mean? It's somebody yeah. who, well, I I, I, I don't know. I always felt we were a solid middle class family. Right, and then he got successful enough that we were an upper middle class family. family. Yeah, right. That's where where I, you know, just saying whatever. I also want to say that the other day, I I think it was yesterday, um, mentioned. Can you imagine? New Zealand had um, one hundred days. The last hundred days with not a reported case of coronavirus. One hundred days. We can't even go tw- one second without, you know, I've heard, it, I've heard it from Donald directly. That's just because they're shooting anybody that, that says that they have coronavirus. <laughs> well, I do want to do an up because no sooner had they gotten to that, you know, 
impressive uh, right. mark, uh, they marker. They had a case reported yesterday, and then um, and then three more. The four cases are all in the same house. Right. So they they don't know where. So anyway, what they've done. This was in Auckland, which is their largest city, and with those four cases, they immediately imposed like a shutdown on Auckland. That's how you end up doing a hundred days without a case. Right. So they'll close it right down figure out where this woman, the initial woman got it and then passed it on to her family and, and they'll close it down again. But we don't have the discipline, the smarts, the uh, willing populace to pull we it off. We can't even agree that there's anything out there that we should be worried about. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was reading quotes from these fucking fools in uh, Sturgis. And, I mean, um, I think they should be locked up. <laughs> that, that can, I mean, how can they, how can it be allowed that they attend an event like this? Because there's no national leadership. To disperse all, all over the country. country. It's like they are their biological warfare on the country. That is right. They will all leave there and zoom off, crossing state lines, spreading whatever all over the place. And it's because there's no federal policy. Uh, just, uh, oh God in heaven. I also want to note some uh, news, local. Well, here, before we go on, let me do Paul. Uh, Paul writes, the working class is loosely defined as those without college degrees. Really? Really? Yeah, okay. I think he's right. When this approach is used, the working class can be contrasted with the so-called middle class on the basis of differential terms of access to economic resources, education, cultural interests, and other goods and services. There, he's got it. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> well, but wait, okay. But like, what about somebody like my son who is, has a college degree, but works as a baker. Now, I would think a baker is a working class job. But um, here's, you're saying that... What I would, here's what I would say. He's lucky to have a job. <laughs> oh, God, I know. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay, but Paul, thank you for that. Um, and I want to note uh, for the locals, um, and it's just so upsetting... Um, you know, our once great newspaper, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, um, which has just been being run into the ground by the current ownership. Susan, this paper is 234 years old. Yeah, I know. I sort of followed this uh, saga. So, unfortunately, um, they have been in contract negotiations with these SOBs, the union has, the employees have for for three years now, uh, getting nowhere. Um, and um, management finally decided uh, a few weeks ago, well, this isn't going anywhere, so we're just going to impose 
um, our contract um, on you. And what they did is imposed a contract that cuts their employees' health benefits, cuts their severance packages, cuts their vacation time, makes it easier to fire them for any reason whatsoever, uh, eliminates the right to dispute uh, anything, any action they take through grievances or arbitration, and uh, they have to start paying uh, up to 30% of the cost of their health insurance uh, starting September 1. Um, the the members of the uh, union, which represents most of the workers there, overwhelmingly yesterday uh, voted to authorize a strike to walk off. And it doesn't happen until their, uh, the national union signs off. And if the national union signs off and these uh, 123 uh, employees, the heart and soul, of the uh, paper, the reporters, the editors, uh, the graphic artists, if they uh, walk off, that's, that's the end of the paper. And we Pittsburgh will not have a daily newspaper. Incredible. Oh, God, I just want to, I just can hardly bear it. Hey, Suze, uh, would you, if, if given the opportunity, take some of that wonderful Russian vaccine, Sputnik vaccine? Oh, yeah, let me, me, me. I want to try. I want to try. Sure. sure. Yeah? No. <laughs> I would, however, be happy to get in on some of the trials that are going on around here. You know, if I lived in St. Louis, boy, would I love to... Uh, yeah, and on some of the trials that are going on, but they're very specific who the, who they will take and who yeah. won't. I know everybody. There's... Everybody that I'm related to or know in St. Louis volunteers immediately. Well, but there's no telling if they're getting anything or if they're in the control getting nothing. Sorry, 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 right. sorry, 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 sorry. There's a phone okay. ringing for with birthday wishes. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Okay. Um, okay, little by little, I'm getting here. Um, boy, are we all over the place today. Um, there was a story I read from the Washington Post about a woman who, like, um, her thing is she, like, loves leafing through used books because she finds stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah okay, I'm going to go back to, to your nephew, Louie. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. So our nephew, Louie, who bites his little infant's fingers off, I mean fingernails, um, is an archivist, right? Mm-hmm. And when we were all together, well, before the pandemic in Green Bay, he started doing that with the books on our parents' bookshelf. And I said, what are you doing? And he said one of the first things that archivists do is page through books and go ahead, Susan. I mean, it, no, no. I was just going to say, dude, he did this. I'm not remembering what he found. He found he, something though, and I can't he find. find some, I mean, I just think some old document, like maybe from the war or something. He yeah, um, he found something that was like you know vaguely wow, interesting. And I just wanted to say to um, people 
you know, if you don't have anything to do, you can just page through your books and see if anything falls out that might bring back, you know, some memory. You know, we use stuff sometimes for um, photographs, a letter, uh, you know, that might have been used as a Hell, you a could bookmark. find a check that you used as a bookmark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't think I would. Well, your but, brother did that once. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So this woman has found amazing things. She's found um, like a strip of photos that, uh, that people, you know, in those old photo booths where you get four pictures, right. you know, in a, in a row. And when she finds these things, she goes and tries to find the people who belong to the – and she's often successful. I can't, I can't. So she reunites people with these things and blows their minds. But I, I just wanted to pass that on because that's something that, you know, you wouldn't think of doing, but there might be. No. And I want some of you guys to do that, and then let me know if you found anything. Right. You know, and I emptied out. I decided that there was really no reason to have a safe deposit box anymore that I could think of for for our mother, um, and and so I I went I donned my mask and my face shield and my gloves, and I because I had to enter the bank. Jesus. Well, it, it's really around here. I mean, you well, know, it's and, around here too. But I wouldn't do all of that. You no, know, I, I did. Put a mask I don't want you aren't living with our mother. Yeah. I'm, you know, so when I'm out and about, I try to be really, really careful. I don't want to bring it into the house. But anyway, I did that. And the, honestly, the people I was dealing with were intensely grateful because they view everybody that's coming in as a, you know, <laughs> a threat. Yeah. So they were happy to see me. And um, the fast forward, I emptied it out. As expected, there was almost nothing left in it. But there were things like our father's separation documents from the Navy in World War II. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, re- interesting documents. That, you know, who knew they even existed? Yeah. I still have a safe deposit box. Do you? No, I gave it up. I have twice lost keys for my box, and it cost right. me $300 you to have... And pay... And $300 I- to have them drill it... it- uh, yeah. Right. I mean, what, to keep a set of documents in another safe place when you just, uh, nah. I don't know. I just thought, I thought it was the, um, and the thing to do. In days gone by when do. people, you know, had jewels and and stock certificates and things like that, that they needed to put in a safe deposit box, deeds to their homes, you know, titles to their cars or the, all that stuff went into the safe deposit box. That's pain in the patoot now. I think I do have some stock certificates, don't I? Do you have to have them? No. Physically? No. You don't have to physically have a certificate, uh, the, no. the paper. Uh-uh. Well, then, well, what am I paying all that for? I um, <laughs> not that it's that pricey, but um, whatever. Uh what else I got here? Um, Eba, Eba, Eba. Ooh, Susan. 
Right. This is the best thing I found today. It was in the science section of the New York Times, and it, um, you know, a predator and prey. Uh, you know, if if a predator swallows you, well, end of story. But it turns out that there is a beetle, uh, a water beetle, that after it gets swallowed by a frog, so a frog is making a comeback into the uh, conversation. conversation. If a frog swallows one of these little, a water scavenger beetle, guess what that little beetle does? <laughs> it if gets, you swallow it, it eats, it eats its way out of you. Not quite. No, it, it says right here, this plucky little insect will scuttle down the frog's gut and force it to poop. Yeah. And <laughs> let's get some I of those. Yeah, I know. I don't know how. How do you? They don't say how it forces it to poop, but it makes the frog poop. And damn if that beetle doesn't come, you know, pooping right back out. Slightly poopy, but very much alive, unscathed. And they do this from being ingested to being uh, (laughs) pooped out in about six minutes. And what's interesting about it is normally uh, a frog, when it eats something, it takes two days for it to fully digest and defecate. So something this little beetle does is, um, you know, it says, let me out, and somehow manages to get that frog to poop. I got it. Okay, well, this this truly is a birthday present for our mother. I'm going to look up this article for her. Oh, really? It's in the New York Times um, science section today. And a beetle swallowed by a frog decides to do an end run. (laughs) Oh, God. I can't make this stuff up. My mom is very concerned with, you know, why why would that be a birthday present? Because she's into poop? Yeah, because she's very concerned with um, poop, with that particular aspect of her bodily function. function. Yeah, everything goes swimmingly except that. Yes. So yes, yes. Would you open a? I've got a um, email here, and the subject line is help, and and then all there is is an attachment, a 483 KB attachment. Would you open that? No. No, me either. I want you to know me either. So, Pam, if you're a real person and you sent me that, you got to let me know you're not, you know, trying to screw my, uh, do something bad to me. Okay? Uh, what else? I'm sorry. I'm... God. Okay, so Elizabeth Drew, who you might remember the name, she was a 
God, she must be really old now. She was a journalist uh, who covered politics for a long, long time. I mean, I'm thinking like a million years ago, she, I, I would see her. Elizabeth Drew, but she's obviously still alive because she wrote a, an op-ed um, in which she argues, and quite convincingly, I, to my mind, that presidential debates are bullshit. Well, she doesn't say that. But she does say that. Are you still looking for that? My uh, internet is not loading. And okay. uh, and so I'm just a little irritated for some. Okay, okay. Well, I'll just I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna so Olivia Drews says this: the debates. Um, uh, she said actually reward precisely the opposite of what we should be rewarding, and this brings me back to. Uh, one of the few things I retained from my college education, a political science class, in which I was taught that the qualities necessary for a politician to win an election were almost always exactly opposite of the qualities that are necessary to then do the job. So unfortunately, because somebody knows how to win does not mean they will do well in the job. Sometimes those things coincide, but often they do not. And she says the debates do the same thing. She says, uh, because what you know, voters should be looking for is intelligence, uh, knowledge, thoughtfulness, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she says, but the debates have come to resemble professional wrestling matches. And um, the media covering them don't really look for substance. They look for one-liners. They look for, you know, did somebody blink? Did he take a drink of water when he shouldn't? Was, did he appear uncomfortable? Was he sweating profusely? And... and um, and with an audience added into the mix, if a candidate manages to get laughs or applause, those are all like, oh, wow, he's doing great, doing great, doing great. When that has nothing to do with what a debate should really be. So she points out that, you know, when Ronald Reagan de- debated Jimmy Carter, who was the president at the time, uh, she says Carter, for anyone who was seriously listening to what was being said, Carter made a, a, a perfectly serious point about Reagan's position on Medicare. And Reagan's response to it was, there you go again. Which, of course, said nothing, but got a laugh got a big laugh. And so score one for Reagan, even though he hadn't responded to the the meat. Oh, where's the beef? Um, and then all these guys now come armed with 
one-liners that they've memorized in case they can slide it in to, you know, an opportune moment. And so that's where you get Reagan again, scoring hugely when he's debating uh, Mondale. When he says, and it's a good line, he says, I will not make age an issue of this campaign. He was the oldest guy to ever run. I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. Brought the house I'm down. so old. I remember when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. Brought the house down. Right. And... But, it was, you know, in its own way, at least, you know, you know that the person is quick-witted or at least has smart enough to figure out that it was going to come up and have a well-delivered well, that, criticism. That, that, with the latter being the truth. I mean, <clears throat> no, that was something that had been carefully prepared and just waiting for the moment. Um, but th- these debates, as they now exist, are are just... You know what? They are they're perfect for what we have become because they're unsure reality shows. They're reality shows. They are, you know, who looked better, who won, who got more zingers in. They have nothing to do with who is the better uh person to run the country. So, um she says, you know, just get rid of them. And of course it won't happen, but it should happen. The same as these damn conventions. God. Stupid. If the pandemic's good for anything, let's get rid of a few of these things, right? Well, the conventions might, They're still going to subject us... They're still going to subject us to, you know, a um, virtual... Yeah, four nights of uh, boring speeches. But um, Mm -hmm. you don't have to watch. Mm Mm-mm. Okay, um, unfortunately, we've got the, uh, oh, Pat says, happy birthday to mom. That's from Pat and Charlie. Susan, pass that on. Okay, oh, hi. Hi. And I have today's uh, Allegheny County. In the last 24 hours, we're still in double digits, thank God. We were in triple digits for so long. There have been 76 new cases in Allegheny County, two new hospitalizations, and one death. Those numbers continue to go in the right direction after our spike, and um, and that is good. And for some reason, women are way back on top. That can't be. You know, yesterday I told you for the first time more men had the cases, 55%. And guess what today's thing says? Oh, it's the gender breakdown of new cases. And of those 76, 63% are women. Oh, God. 50 cases, 54 deaths. In Brown County? Yeah. Where Green Bay is. Well, we have had 9,000 in Allegheny County and and change and 260 deaths. But we are more populous. I don't know what the... Yeah. 
Okay. So Green Bay, what, has about 150. I don't know what Brown County has, but, you know. Well, it has a lot. I mean, uh, it has a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, Sue, thanks. And I'll, I guess I'll see oh. you soon okay. for, for my Zoom. Uh, okay. Birthday. Okay. See you soon. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 And uh, you guys, thank you for being there. And uh, goodbye to you. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.